Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. When we speak of ideas, we're really talking about a hero's journey, a journey that really might be um, serendipitous, or it might be intentional, or a combination of both. One of the great uh, opportunities I've had in my life is to have great conversations with leaders in the risk resilience and security industry. In 2004, we had about three, 400 people, executives attending a Seattle forum. And we had the opportunity to meet for the first time and hear for the first time, a fairly new chief security officer at Microsoft who had just gone through the journey of putting together a global implementation of a GSOC, a Global Security Operations Center. And uh, he was going to talk about his experiences moving that forward. And what we saw was the beginning uh, that would lead eventually to uh, a status in the industry as, a, as really a, someone who could speak on leadership issues as well as operational issues. The gentleman's name is Mike Howard, and we have Mike today on this podcast. Mike, great having you. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate the uh, intro, and it's always, always great to get together with you, old friend. So, so much, so much good things have happened over the years with you, Mike, uh, and we're going to have you back again. I wish we were having this in a physical forum today, because what I want to talk about is your new book. Mm -hmm. uh, your new book is Ronin, The Art of Ronin Leadership. Is that correct? That is correct. And I can't wait to understand what that looks like, because that's a journey in and of itself. But let's first talk about that a little bit. What is a Ronin? A, a Ronin is a masterless samurai. As you know, you know my background more than anybody else. I'm, I'm half Japanese, I had extensive martial arts background. Um, and what masterless samurai means is back in the old days in Japan, uh, in the days of the samurai warriors, samurai used to work for shogun or lords. When the central government in Japan uh, came, came to fruition, it was all disbanded. And it's kind of like the old gunfighters of the old west. You had these samurai that were roaming the countryside looking for work, guns for hire, swords for hire, and they call them ronin, masterless samurai. They no longer had a master, uh, but they had learned a lot during that time with their master. They learned martial skills, they learned poetry, they learned leadership, uh, they learned how to comport themselves as, 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 as men. And, and eventually they were able to forge their own path by being when they were forced to be masterless. And that's kind of the theme of the book from a leadership perspective. The, the, the analogy is right there. Well, I, I, can, I can't imagine someone who has a master who is conforming to the master's vision and purpose for their organization, if you will, or their country, and suddenly being masterless. That, that's a little discombobulated. Does that, does that resonate with you as a leader? Do you feel sometimes leaders are masterless and a little bit discombobulated and have to find their way? Sure. I think it happens more often than leaders would like to, to admit. Um, there are, there, are, there are a lot of positives, obviously, 
within the milieu of an enterprise, whatever that enterprise is, as a leader, right? You, you have infrastructure, you have leaders you can emulate. Hopefully you have a great boss that, that treats you well and lets you do what you need to do. But also there are a lot of constraints upon what you can and can't do. And you may have some great ideas that you want to implement, but you're it's squashed because it doesn't go with the status quo or it's a new idea that they haven't heard before. So they're not going to do it because I'm going to play it safe. So sure. Um, I think a lot of people just go with the flow uh, and not willing to buck the system. And bucking the system is actually being part of a Ronin, right? That's part of the journey of becoming masterless. Even within the confines of having uh, a master, you can still grow the seeds of your, of your Ronin masterless journey right there. I'm, uh, I'm really intrigued. If you, um, today, your subtitles on your book are strategy, execution, and sustained success. Tell me about those subtitles and the leadership journey and making sure each of those are effective. Sure. No, great question. One of the things that, as you remember, we people used to come to, to Microsoft Global Security Benchmark with us all the time on our technology. And one of the things that got us in trouble before I got there and other companies that came was that they had the technology before the strategy. So strategy to me comes first. You have to have that macro vision of where are you taking your organization? And of course, underlying that is why, right? You have to have the why drivers in terms of the, the strategy, but without the strategy, you're just being completely tactical, putting out fires, and that was how global security was looked at years ago. Break class in case of emergency, very tactical. It wasn't until we were able to show that we were strategic in thinking that the mindsets of the C-suite started to change. And that's why I put strategy up first. So you need to have that. The execution, obviously, strategy without execution is just vaporware. It's nothing, right? So if you don't, if you, you may have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't have the right people, the right tools, the right resources, and then the, the you know, the, the, the impetus to, to execute and get these things done, then it's just a waste of time, right? Uh, and so you got to have the execution. Then, then sustained success, you know, there are times in, in, a, in, in your career where you, you and your team develop something and, and maybe it's, it's a one-off, right? It works great. The ROI was there for a finite period of time, but what you're looking for from a leadership legacy standpoint, is sustained success, right? Now that's just, that success may take many iterations. So GSOC, BSOC, other things like that, but you have to have sustained success in terms of, in, in my opinion, to be a, a credible leader. If, you're, if it's a one-off, maybe it's just circumstantial. Sustained success means that you're doing something right. You and your team, primarily your team more than you, in a lot of cases, are doing the right things. So you need to have all three. You know, uh, because I was able to have a front row seat over the 16 years um, you were with, well, not the full 16 years, since uh, 2004, when you first uh, were introduced at The Great Conversation, um, I know a lot about your vision for your department. Um, and it was a vision, like you said, that had to have a strategy behind it, as well as the right people performing the right roles in a process that was measurable with the right tools. 
And watching that evolve over that period of time was absolutely remarkable. There was one thing though, that I don't think most people got, and I did. I, I really did, because I saw it unfold. You were great at internal casting of vision with both the executives at Microsoft and your team, as well as externally outside Microsoft, and they were symbiotic. You told a great story that captivated a lot of people uh, and, and also energized your own people. And they became, in a sense, rock stars of their own because of that. So, right. so that, that's, that sustained success was the power of story. No, you're, you're 100% right. And it was, it was strategic. Right. That's to go back to the strategy. Right. You know, we, we as we were winning the battle within Microsoft with the C-suite, getting the funding and doing, getting all the resources, getting more credibility. Right. Getting a seat at the table. Then, as I, I talk about in the book, you know, part of it is also so extending yourself out in the industry for two reasons. Yes, you want to evangelize and you want to get that credibility and you want the buzz and people coming to benchmark. The other piece of that was. Was our stuff really as good as we said it was. Because when you go out to the industry and you're dealing with CSOs of all these different companies that are, you know, admirals of their own ships, so to speak, with their own successes, does your stuff pass the smell test, right? And also, I always tell my troops all the time, look, it's great to be successful. It's great to be thought of as rock stars. But you can't, you can't live on that, you know? You have to be willing to take the hey, but we don't we don't agree with how you guys are doing things. We 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 disagree with this concept, and be able to understand it and not just poo poo it, but say okay, so why? So maybe there's something that we're missing that we could add to our portfolio back at Microsoft. But you have to have those conversations, and that was a that was that was another driver for getting out into the industry, right? And and just so everyone knows, because there's people in business and in security listening to this podcast. Mike uh, not only uh, was the chief security officer at Microsoft, but then he gave back his time to the Security Industry Association, the International Security Management Association, global network of CSOs, uh, ISC, ASIS, GSX. You would see Mike show up and give back his benchmarks, his ideas, his learnings, uh, to the industry and help the other industry along. But there was one thing a lot of people didn't get as well. You would invite them in. They would yeah. come into your GSOC and, and back to your comparative benchmarking, ideas would happen and people would share their successes and failures because you were willing to open the doors and be transparent on what you did. And that, that must have been an amazing way to just keep urging your people to go that much further. I mean, it was, and I always used to tell my folks, look, you know, when people come to benchmark with us, you should be honored that they're willing to take the journey to do that and hopefully learn something from us, but you can, you should learn as much from them as they learn from you. Right. Uh, and so that's how you stay humble uh, in the midst of all the success. I mean, it was a heady time, uh, you know, back then it was just a heady time, right? Everybody wanted to talk to global security and, U.S. to government and, and, and things like that. And we were getting written up and blah, blah, blah. And it was great. And it was great internally. But yeah, you, you, have, to, you have to have those external inputs uh, in any successful enterprise to make sure that you're not missing something. 
and that you're not believing your own BS, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that can happen real easy. Let's talk about ego for a second. How important is a strong, healthy ego in a leader? I think it's, I think it's very important, but it has to be tempered. Uh, certainly, you cannot become an effective leader without healthy ego, right? You have to, with challenges ahead of you, whether it's, you know, like nowadays, uh, you know, I can't imagine my colleagues not dealing with pandemics and all this other kind of stuff, but um, you have to have uh, enough of a healthy ego to know that uh, you, you can make the right decisions, you can drive the right strategies. And even in the midst of people saying no, you're willing to say, you know, no, we need, to, we need to move forward. We need to do this. We need to do that. That has to be tempered, though, with the fact that um, you need to have a wise group of counselors around you that can help you. And I, I hark back to always Abe Lincoln, team of rivals. As, as smart as he was, as, as good as he was, he brought people in that were contrarian to his, not only his politics, but to, to him as a person, but when he made weighty decisions in the midst of the Civil War, he had people that he could count on. So Lincoln was not thought of as, a, as an egotistical guy, but I guarantee you he had a healthy sense of himself, which is what really having a good ego is, and a healthy sense of how that, how that portrays to other people, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, you have to have that as a leader, but it has to be tempered. Uh, when I talk to risk, resilience, security leaders, I get, it's never said directly, but I get something that I wouldn't get from most executives inside a company, and that is failure is not an option. Hmm. But yet again, your Ronin leadership story will be about the value of failure and being transparent with failure. Tell me a little bit about how you pull that string a little bit uh, tempering the fact that you couldn't fail as a risk resilient security leader for Microsoft and the CIA, but right. but you still are going to fail. Tell me about that journey. The way I look at it is, you if you don't fail somewhere along your path, you will never be an effective leader, right? I also say that people who say they haven't failed, they're lying, right? And a lot of leaders try to portray themselves as George Patton or whoever, right? That never fail, always calm, always cool, always collected. I wasn't always like that, you know? I wanted to make sure that my troops saw me as somebody that could lead them through any crisis. I had a lot of internal debates with myself and a lot of internal um, kind of angst and insecurities in my years uh, because there were times when I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't know if I was really up to the job, even though I had a lot of accolades. I had the position, I had the title, I had the people underneath me. Uh, there were times when I thought, you know, am I really up to this? Looking in the mirror to yourself. Uh, leadership journey means failure. Yes, I agree with you. At, 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 when, the, when the rubber meets the road, you can't fail. If there's a terrorist incident or, you, or someone's kidnapped something, you can't fail. You've got you to nail that issue and bring it to fruition. But there are, there are like micro failures that also help the journey, right? And the book talks about that. There are a couple of times where I did something that I thought was a good thing and it wasn't. And I got my hand slapped for it, but I also learned and I also had people who slapped my hand that not just slapped the hand, but said, I understand why you did it. 
and I'm gonna show you how to make things better so you don't do it again next time, right? You will fail, you have to fail because those failures reinforce what you shouldn't be doing going forward. You should be learning from each failure. If you never fail or you say you never fail, you're lying to yourself and you're doing disservice to your team and to the, the enterprise that you're working for. Yeah, it's almost interesting. The word failure should, you know, we should have a different term for it the way you're defining it. There, there should be a different term. Uh, and, and that is, I, I didn't quite get to where I wanted to go. Rather, right. than, you know, that it's, it's not, <laughs> failure is not a destination. It's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not something to be ashamed of, but that leadership journey is not, you know, like, it, it took me a while to understand that, that uh, in my own journey, that that's okay, right? I don't have to be perfect. In fact, if you're not perfect, but you still succeed and you still take care of your people and people know that you're genuine, that's even better, right? That, that's much better than just trying to pretend that you've got it all together. You're always calm, cool, and collected. You never make mistakes. Uh, that's only in the movies. Well, I can't wait to learn the art and perhaps even the science of Ronin leadership with your book, it will, uh, by the time this podcast is released uh, on June 1st, it will be ready to purchase, I imagine. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, it's, it's, you can purchase it on Amazon right now in, the, in its paperback. And then on the 31st of May, for those who want to do digital, the Kindle edition is released. And there's a link in the description of this podcast in your favorite platform. We'll be looking for Mike Howard talking about Ronan probably at an industry event uh, in the future. And uh, if, if not uh, uh, a next great conversation when the pandemic finally allows us to do so. Mike, this has been a great conversation as always. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I always look forward to talking to you. It's like, you know, we're, we're old friends and it's just like, we're, we're chatting across a dinner table, having some cocktails. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.